This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance and Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hi, I'm actor and comedian Griffin Newman. And I'm film critic David Sim. Together, we host Blank Check, a movie podcast where week by week we overanalyze directors' complete filmographies. In each new series, we discuss filmmakers who experience early success and are issued a series of blank checks by Hollywood to make their own crazy passion projects. Now, sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce, baby. We're joined each week by incredible guests, including actors, writers, and directors. So you can follow Blank Check with Griffin and David on Spotify for new episodes every Sunday. Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. A loner. Walking through a gritty street. Looking for change. An actor who lost a lot of weight. And changed his hair. The movie? Taxi the Joker. No, what? what? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Hey everybody, I am Paul Shear. I'm Amy Nicholson. And welcome to Unspooled. Unspooled. And this is a very special bonus episode of Unspooled, where we are comparing and contrasting Joker and Taxi Driver. Yeah, I mean, because one of the interesting things about doing this show is you pick a film and you look at its echoes through the culture. And the echo between Taxi Driver and Joker could not have been louder. I mean, these are two films that were released in similar patterns and received in similar ways. Yeah. And one is directly borrowing from the other one in such a way that it felt like I, watching Joker, I was watching this feedback loop of pop culture I and mean, how much we have changed or not changed since 1976. I mean, these are both films that premiered at prestigious festivals. Taxi yes. Driver premiered at Cannes and won the Palme d'Or. Joker premiered at Venice and won the Golden Lion, which is Wow. I mean, the Gold of Light is also a gigantic, massive award. But I would also argue that one of the main differences is that where Taxi Driver wins the Palme d'Or, it is booed at its original premiere. Whereas in Venice, this movie is applauded and, and people cheer for the Joker. That's true. Although, does it count if it was booed on Twitter when it won the award? Nah. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. Like, tell me which movie this is about. This movie wins an award and a person on the jury says this. We are well aware that this violence and hopelessness reflects the image of our society. However, we fear that violence breeds violence, and the jury expresses its wish that the cinema not become a source of hatred. Which one is that about? That is Tennessee Williams on Taxi Driver, but it feels like Twitter leading up to the release of Joker. Yeah, you know, I think this is a, a great example, in my opinion, of how we can really start to create an opinion about something before a majority of people have even seen it, right? This movie, Joker, premieres in Venice. Only a handful of people 
are seeing it at the premiere. But the hot takes are coming fast and furious out of Venice immediately. You know, this movie is about an incel. This is going to create violence. There is a lot of hysteria around this movie. And that in part also is because of what Venice sort of felt like this year. I mean, Venice being one of the biggest film festivals in the world, programmed a competition list without any female directors, but included Roman Polanski. So it was sort of like they had an entire box of matches, and then the Joker was like, boom, I'm going to light it. Interesting. I, you know... The MCU has fired on full thrusters for the most part. You know, there may be some movies like Thor Dark World that people don't like, but primarily it's working towards, you know, building this great, uh, you know, lineage of pretty solid films, some much better than others, some at worst average. Um, But at the DCU's core, you have movies all over the board. For every Wonder Woman, there is a Justice League. And, you know, and Man of Steel is, uh, what is Man of Steel? I don't know. So we're kind of fighting this thing. And they make a very bold move and a couple of bold moves. One, which is they do Joker, which is an R-rated superhero film. No one has done that with a major property. You know, Punisher Yes, you can make that point, but Punisher isn't like a major villain. I mean, Joker is one of the quintessential villains in comic book history. So this is a bold move. You take a director who's, you know, known for, you know, the Hangover films. He also made, uh, you know, some other interesting films, but not a, not the guy that you would immediately put as the director of this film. Well, he's a director who says very upfront, he's not that into superhero movies. Right. And so we, I feel like the Marvel Universe is made by superhero fans for superhero fans. Mm. And it's interesting to me to have Joker made by a person who doesn't really care that much about Joker, but wants to make a very expensive Scorsese movie with you know, a sizable budget, with well, a budget that you can't really get for a film like this right now. No, and I think it's an interesting way of approaching these stories. I think Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg did an amazing job at adapting uh, The Boys for Amazon, and they're telling similar stories in this superhero vein. I've worked with Todd Phelps. I did, uh, I always joke, his least successful film, uh, School for Scoundrels, uh, with John Heater and Billy Bob Thornton. Um, and, you know, and the thing I know about Todd is that he is uh, very... Um, much a filmmaker. He wants to make, you know, beautiful looking films. He cares about style. And that's something that's very important to him. And I think when you look at this film, you see that this is a very thought out film. I think of all of his films, this is probably the most beautiful of all of his films. I think that that's an easy probably race to win on this one. Probably. Although, I mean, to me, what was frustrating about watching Joker is it felt too much like the films of the past to feel like a film of the present. Mm. You know, when I was watching Joker, I just kept thinking like, okay, that shot is from Network. That shot is from The Dark Knight. That shot, that whole character, this whole arc is coming from Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. And so it felt like I wasn't so much watching a movie of 2019 as I was watching this Frankenstein movie of the past. You know, a movie coming together that was so heavy with its influences on the scene. I mean, Joker is basically like the La La Land of a 70s movie. <laughs> um, I I can't necessarily argue that take, <laughs> but I will say this. Todd Phillips said a, a handful of things that, 
you know, again, created a lot of think pieces. You can't make comedy in an era where we're so PC, yet, you know, obviously Taika's making Jojo Rabbit, which, you know, shows you can do things like that. I mean, I think that's the number one thing that somebody who doesn't get a laugh says is like, y'all aren't funny. Y'all can't laugh. Y'all have no sense of humor. Yeah, I think there's an element at play that the press and the attention of this movie actually distracted from the content of this movie. If you were to watch this movie in a vacuum, I think you would find the response to it to be a little different. I I think it was hard for me to pull away my preconception. So I went in there with pretty low expectations that I was not going to like this movie. And I have to say that I came out different than I expected to. Um, And what I really came away with was the performance of Joaquin Phoenix, I think is amazing. I thought his performance was truly a wonderful, fully realized not showy in a way. I like him. I like him in whatever I kind of see him in. I think that he always makes very interesting choices. And I think that he makes this movie better than it might have been with anybody else. I really think that he, I feel for this character. And I don't feel that this character is an incel or the way that he is playing him. I don't feel like this character is an incel. I feel like this, this is a story about mental health and someone who is psychologically unsound. They make a very clean, clear picture of that. At least that's what I wasn't necessarily expecting. I was expecting like the other versions of the Joker. Like I have to mess up the city because everybody is so serious. You know, it's like, it's very understated. It's very small. I don't know. I mean, I was really excited that Joaquin Phoenix was going to be in Joker because I also love him very much. Mm -hmm. I think he's fascinating. And in real life, I believe that Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker. Like, of all the people in Hollywood, he and Shia LaBeouf, I think, have lived the most Joker life Mm -hmm. in which they're constantly playing pranks on the audience. You see them expressing their struggle with society. You know, I have a lot of empathy for Joaquin Phoenix because he is a guy who, from the first time he came back to Hollywood as an actor after his brother's death, he's been asked nonstop like personal questions about his brother, about his life, about, you know, all the raw parts of his body on red carpets. And I think if you look at his whole career, you've seen a guy really take a lot of aggression out on the press because of that, you know, Mm -hmm. and try to have fun with it. Like instead of answering personal questions about his brother on red carpets, like in Walk the Line when that came out, he would walk down the red carpets. And if somebody tried to get personal with them about about things he didn't want to answer, I mean, can you imagine getting asked about your brother a hundred times a day walking down a red carpet line, he would just turn to the press person and be like, do I have a frog in my hair? And he would just mess with them and he would throw them off guard. And he took this hostility and he turned it into pretending to be a rapper so that he could seize control of his questions with journalists and be like, no, I'm a rapper. I'm a rapper now. And I'm going to go on David Letterman and I'm going to screw it all up, you know, and I'm going to put gum on his desk and act catatonic and I'm going to almost risk risk my entire career for this practical joke that I'm playing. But he's also like doing this thing where, you know, Letterman has gone back and forth about, did he know about that? Did he not know about that? You know, he just recently played that prank with Kimmel where they released that footage of him and that got everyone in an uproar. You know, it was like this kind of this Christian Bale-esque footage of him freaking out, yelling at Todd Phillips. He is so straight and you don't know that much about him. But he is the Joker in this way where I feel like he had this energy I wanted him to bring to the film. Like I had to interview him once at a restaurant Mm -hmm. and I mean, and this is just at a restaurant. He leaned over and he took the purse of the lady at the next table and he just sat it next to him. 
and he waited for her to notice. And she had no idea who he was. I mean, he just had scraggly hair and he was wearing yeah. a hoodie. No idea who he was. And he just stole her purse. And so a Joaquin Phoenix joker like that, a guy who just wants to play pranks on people, I'm totally there for. But that's not the joker that's that we got. That's not what we're seeing. I mean, And it really bummed me out because he's perfect. Yeah, but I think they're trying to actively avoid doing that kind of joker in a weird way. Well, that's like trying to make a big bird movie about a bird who's not a bird or yellow or big. I mean, no, the, the joker just, is supposed to be intelligent and witty and have a sense of humor. And they made a joker who's not smart or funny. But you see, I think we're watching the origin story of Joker. And I don't ever see how this Joker He's becomes- He's so old to have an origin story at this age. He well, should have had this origin story in his teenager years if well, he was going to be this behind track. Well, wait, hold on. Let me just get to this point that I, I want to say. Like, they're not, they're actively going against the typical Joker, um, you know, big, loud kind of character. And I think the movie- actually becomes the Joker. Because what actually happens in this movie? The movie is playing tricks on us as a viewer. There's so many different reveals in this film. And that's something that, um, you know, people like myself hypothesize is happening at the end of Taxi Driver, you know, that he actually died in that room. And that's why the camera's on the overhead shot. But this movie plays with that so many times. Like, I'm watching the film and I'm like, Oh, Zazie Beetz, like, this is like a very weird character. Why is she into him? And then I'm getting ahead of it. I'm like, oh, wait a second. I think that's in his mind. It is in his mind. Then you're like, did he kill Zazie Beetz? We don't know. I think that he probably did. When he got in that refrigerator, is that the end of the movie? Did he kill himself? I don't know. Is the entire thing in his imagination? Did he Did he just watch someone in a clown costume? Because he's like more like Bernard Getz, like, you know, when he actually has his first killing. Uh, Bernard Getz is this guy, a very meek uh, man who like killed somebody on the subway for trying to mug him. I was thinking to myself, wow, I wonder if he saw like a Bernard Getz sort of story uh, and then became, you know, he fantasized about being this character, the Joker. Or is this a world in which, yes, he kills Robert De Niro and then the actual Joker that we will come to know is inspired by that and dresses like the Joker and then becomes the Joker of the DCU. Like there's so many ways to kind of look at this movie that I think is very untraditional. I really appreciated the filmmaking of it and the performance um, because it really played, like you can look at it and you can make arguments for all of those things. I see where, where you see complexity. I think I see a director who just didn't really make a decision, mm -hmm. you know, because I mean, okay, let's take the hallucinations of Arthur Fleck. When he starts to hallucinate about going on to the Murray Franklin show and Murray being really nice and loving and welcoming him up on stage, you know, that's clearly heightened in a way where we can tell through the colors and through like the way that the that Robert De Niro's character is acting towards him that this is a fantasy in his life. Yes. And so it's clearly filmed with through fantasy eyes. Meanwhile, when he romances Zazie Beetz and like she starts hanging out with him, being at the hospital and stuff, that's not romanticized filmmaking. You know, when she's sitting next to him at the hospital, it's supposed to look ordinary, grim, drab, dreary. We aren't clued in that it's fake. And I think that the way that Todd Phillips lays those two things out, A, it doesn't really have like any sort of narrative consistency, but B, he allows you to get really mad at her character. And then he just pulls the rug out for no real purpose. Like, I don't think he toys with you. I don't think there's anything clever about him being like, he's making it all up in his head. 
he just has several scenes of me being like, yeah, why is she into him? What's wrong with her? Where's her kid? I'm like questioning that character. I'm questioning the script writing. I'm questioning everything. And then he's like, it's fake. And I don't feel like the payoff was good enough for me to care. You know, right. I mean, what it's I not like the sixth sense where you are like, oh, wow, that really holds up. It really comes together at the end. You yeah, know? because he's doing the same parallel that we have in Taxi Driver. You know, he's like, here's a guy who's obsessed with the girl he barely knows. That's both of them. That's both Travis Bickle and Arthur Fleck. He manages to try to talk to her at some point or he has some sort of moment of connection with her that he takes too seriously. That happens. And then he screws it up. And in Taxi Driver, he actually gets Sybil Shepherd to agree to go on a date with him. But he takes her to the wrong movie. He fucks it up. And then when he goes to her work and screams at her and he's crazy, we see that through her eyes. He's acting crazy. And the movie allows us to see him for who the world sees him as. But Joker doesn't get there. You know, we don't really see anything except sort of through his head, but we don't know if we can trust it. But then we don't really care. And the movie isn't telling us one way or another. It just sort of is. It just feels like... It's throwing rocks at us. You know, it's a complicated film for me to kind of break down because, again, I went in there with really low expectations, right? And and I wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt. And I think what I really gravitated towards was the versatility in which Joaquin did these things that really made me see this character. I, I think that... This movie is way less complicated than Taxi Driver. So to me, the big issue with this film is comparing it. It's apples and oranges. It's, it's not. But it's, okay, but is an orange dressed like an apple? Pretending it's an apple. It, yes. And saying, but, I'm the next coming of apple. But but to me, I feel like the hot take is like, oh, it's dangerous. It's this. I think the Taxi Driver is a dangerous movie. Like in the sense that it doesn't, it shows you this, this person becoming a hero based on actually being a creep and a, and a weirdo. And this movie, you know very cleanly, very clearly, like he is suffering from emotional, mental trauma. I feel like there's, it's, that movie is more gray, Taxi Driver. Joker is much more black and white. And yes, at the end, he is applauded by the city but immediately captured, you know. Um, and because it's called the Joker, we know he's a villain from the beginning. But I feel like the deck is stacked differently in Taxi Driver. Right. You know, in Taxi Driver, yeah, like you do literally see a lot of the world through his point of view, you know, through the windshield of his car. You see this town that's kind of gone to shit. But for example, like the first time he kills somebody in Taxi Driver, he shoots a person who's already like holding a gun on a, a convenience store clerk. Like he saves a person's life. Whereas in the Joker... He kills a bunch of people because they're bullying him. You know, this, this, the deck is stacked differently there. But he is also protecting that woman to a certain degree. Like she's, I feel, Yeah, she's I getting mean, French fries thrown at her. But it's not like a murdering offense, is it? I right. Mean, but I mean, I think, like, yes, you're right. He's inadvertently stopping a crime. And then he murders these guys. And the guys he's are murdering are these kind of drunk dudes. Do they deserve to get killed? No, you're right. Like, they're not, like... Uh, yeah. Do they love Stephen Sondheim? Yes. Uh, I, I guess they do love Stephen Sondheim. I yeah. I guess I, I think I'm wrestling with this idea like I don't think there's that much there there in the Joker, and and maybe that's my issue with like kind of even comparing it with Taxi Driver. It's sort of like I think Taxi Driver is much more thought out. I feel like that's a character study, and here 
we're being told everything about the character. Where we're watching the character in Taxi Driver, here, like, they're telling you, nope, this is the this is why he laughs. And this is what happened to his mom. And this is why his mom thinks this. And because of that, he probably also thinks that. And because, you know, so we're That's realizing- It's a 2019 thing. It's because you're being lied to. And it's because of this. And let me tell you your entire yeah. character's backstory. But yet, at the same time, I mean, I think Todd Phillips just puts too many cards on the table. You know, like- like, for example, okay, so if Taxi Driver and King of Comedy are, like, the two things that this movie, I think, are most directly kind of borrowing from, at least there's moments in Taxi Driver and in King of Comedy where you sense things could have gone a different way for the character. Like, when King of Comedy, when he actually, when Rupert Pepkin actually gets to perform, he's pretty good. Right. And at the end of the movie, he gets a career. He's pretty funny. Whereas when the Joker gets up and tells jokes, they seem bad, but we can't tell if the Joker even knows that they're bad because we just see that one joke over and over and over again. I mean, I just want to play a thought experiment. Like, what would Joker be like if when Arthur Fleck told comedy, he was funny? Like, why can't Todd Phillips give him one thing in a world that's so unrelentlessly miserable? Everything in the movie is so negative towards him and so harsh and so terrible. Like, I wish that Todd Phillips trusted it enough to have one nice thing, to let it pop out of the darkness? Well, I think he's painting the picture of this mentally disturbed person. Like, I, I, I don't think even the transition into Joker is well thought out. Like, I think he just sees how everyone else, everyone else has made Joker and he then just follows along with it. Like he is not leading the movie. He's like a sheep to it because if it wasn't for everyone else wearing the masks, I mean, he is a clown by trade. By the way, he is a clown by trade working in some weird, uh, you know, like 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 a police precinct for clowns, which I, th- I have an issue with. Um, he's not doing it. He's not making any active choices. Like he he is a clown. He wants to be funny. He's not. He's socially abnormal. He, like, even the gun is given to him. Like, he's not seeking out the gun. Yeah, he's holding. Yeah, Travis has to go buy a gun. He finds guns. Yeah, like, I think what I find about this character is it's incredibly passive. And I find that that passivity is actually a believable and interesting point of view about someone who is mentally ill. It's sort of like he's like the toy and he's this kind of like a child almost kind of uh, going through this world. He doesn't even really know what he's doing. Um, and he's fantasizing like a child because he's kind of left in the state of arrested development because his mom kind of keeps him in that state as well. And the, and the mom is also in this odd state. I mean, in talking about it now out loud, you know, what I was wowed by was his performance. And I think that got me through the entire movie, but you're right. The movie doesn't necessarily hold up like where I could talk about taxi driver. And I'm, you know how much I feel, uh, a connection to that movie and, and what I think it's saying and how important it is. I feel like this movie is nowhere near that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I really wanted to like the walking performance more. And I think what feels like just a missed opportunity to me is, you know, if the Joker is a person who I think can inspire mass violence with tricks and with pranks and with mean comedy, I mean, that is a true thing that is real in the world today. You know, mean anti-comedy that is used to like incite violence even and i don't like to bring up the t-word that much 
But, you know, people who go to a, a tea rally think his jokes are hilarious. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's at least good at getting to them to laugh. And what is that? I want to know what that is in a movie. And if Todd Phillips wanted to make a, a movie that had a resonance today, I see this path there that he just doesn't take. And he just makes it sort of sloppy childhood trauma-y. Well, I think we're talking about two different movies, right? The movie that you're talking about, I think, would actually be an amazing satire on what's going on. And you could take that from the Gamergate attitudes to what you said, the the tea rallies. Because what is the most evil thing people say right now? I was just kidding. Right. And- and there, that's a really important statement. I think what he, we've done instead is kind of gone the more indie drama route with this character. It's pathos. Yeah. and But they're two different movies. So I can't necessarily, I can't slight this movie for not having the take that would make more sense. I can only talk about the movie that he made because I agree with you. Like, And, and would that movie be more interesting? I think that would have a more socially interesting point of view because if you're kind of making a statement um, like here's a person who says inflammatory things, but he says it in a funny way. And then he uses that to incite violence. Yes, there are some strong parallels here and we're just kind of heightening that. That to me, I want to see that movie. Here, I think it's a safe version of that movie going, here's a story about someone who's mentally ill who then kind of becomes a hero unwittingly where in Taxi Driver, I think he does want to become a hero. He does want to, you know, whether he was wearing that jacket because he served or he didn't, we don't know. But he wants to be viewed as the hero of Travis Bickle. He sees himself as the hero. I don't think that Arthur Fleck wants to be seen as a hero. I don't even think he wants to be seen as successful. I think he just really wants to be on that Maury show. I don't think he- He wants had, to be literally seen. He just, but on that Maury show, I don't think he wants to be like a famous actor. I don't think he wants to be- anything. I think the only, like, I think he is, we're watching, and again, I don't know enough about mental health to talk about this in the the smartest way. I'm sure there's people out there who can break this down better than me, but I think his obsession is, I want to be on that show. I'm funny. I can be on that show. I can be funny like him. It, there's no real world. There's no movies. There's no dating. There's no communication. He's so alone. And that's why I think there's moments where you see this like this anger, like I think when he gets so upset with that woman for yelling at him for talking to his kid, and he, but he's 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 such a passive character, and Travis Bickle's such a active character. Um, it's an interesting way to tell the story of a character. I, I think at the end of the movie, though, I don't know if it's a Joker movie. I don't think that that's the Joker. Everything I know of the Joker, it doesn't seem yeah. right. I mean, I feel like the ultimate joke is that by calling it the Joker, this indie movie makes like $800 million. Well, but I that, think that's a hilarious prank. And actually, I enjoy that prank. But that's what I'm saying. The movie is the Joker. Yeah. I think the movie is doing the job of the Joker. But I mean- But I, just, uh, I feel yeah. Philip's hand on it too much. You know, the that this world is so, 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 so unrelentingly grim. It doesn't make any of it feel credible to me. It doesn't feel like an honest portrait. It feels like a man like setting up a world so that it is nothing but this hellish rat trap and then being like, feel bad for the rat, feel bad for the rat and right. just screaming at us. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to play that game. Yeah. I mean, it definitely would be interesting if you released this film um, and you took the name off of it. What would people's reaction to this movie be? Um, and I think what's It really, would be an indie movie that nobody saw. Well, but look at this. Like, you were never really here. We talked about that a little bit. And that is, to me, a version of Taken, right? But you take away 
this superhero fun of Taken, right? It, you know, or it's like Man on Fire. Yeah. Uh, that Denzel Washington. I mean, movie. my boyfriend made a joke that if you just called, you were never really here, the Punisher. It would be perfect. You could just give him, you know, you could just make him the Punisher and it'd be the exact same movie. And there, and, and, and I think what I liked about You Were Never Really Here, and why I think that movie is actually a very uh, good film, is because it it grounded violence and it took this character and it, it, well, I mean, he's not a superhero, but you could, I mean, I guess you could put him in a Punisher shirt, but you know what I'm saying? But like, <laughs> but like, but like that, there was a, a clearer point of view. And I think, that this movie, you're right, tries to do a little bit um, too much without a defined point of view of what is it saying. What what are we really saying? And I think what we're coming to the agreement of is nothing. Like, I don't think it's making a statement about society. I think the biggest statement you can make is that mentally ill people don't get the tra- care and treatment that they need. Um, and they're often left to their own devices. And if undertreated and left alone, they can cause violence. That would be the thesis. But that's not a super compelling thesis because it's, the character is incredibly passive. It's, you know, it's, I feel like there's a couple subtle tweaks you could make that would pull it together a little bit more. I mean, I guess I take a little bit of solace in the fact of always seeing that history repeats itself and repeats itself and repeats itself. And it's as exhausting as I feel like the conversations about Joker have been. I mean, we talked about this in the Taxi Driver episode that um, Scorsese had to bring armed FBI agents to the Oscars because he was getting death threats for having what people were calling, you know, child prostitutes in the movie. And that people are worried about what happened from Taxi Driver. You know, that John Hingley Jr. said that he watched Taxi Driver 15 times and that he had this mystical union with it, which is what he said at his trial, and it inspired him to shoot Reagan. And... Maybe because of that history, we're worried about history repeating itself again with Joker. Maybe we're just maybe we're just sick of trying to understand people who don't care about understanding the rest of us. Well, and look, we're living in the fear of that and not treating this movie about what it is. Like I see the danger of Taxi Driver in 2019 or 2018, whenever we did that episode, um, and and what it could possibly be in the wrong hands. This doesn't feel like that. This feels like what we said, an independent movie. It doesn't feel like the Joker has a manifesto. It doesn't feel like the Joker has a point of view. It doesn't feel like the Joker has a mission. It doesn't, you know, it feels like the Joker is really just a portrait of someone who is mentally unwell and not being properly treated. Like, And I think that when we put them together, we kind of elevate this movie to a, a degree where it creates a conversation where I don't think, I mean, do you think this movie is potentially dangerous? I mean, after seeing it, I'm like, I don't get it. I mean, I think that this movie says to people who feel beset upon by the world, like it is the world's fault and it is not yours. And I think the movie allows you, the audience, to feel a moment of catharsis when he shoots Robert De Niro. And I think the movie wants you to see him be okay, whatever that is. And if that's him being cheered on by a bunch of people for murdering people on TV, I think that's kind of there. I mean, what's not in the in Joker that is in Taxi Driver is that you know, Scorsese and Paul Schreider, they're both people of a deep faith. And I think you see them wrestling with morality in that movie. And I don't think Todd Phillips is interested in a question of morality. I think he's interested in setting a mood. No, I think that that's actually a really interesting point. You know, I don't think that this movie has that kind of moral backbone. It's not asking that question. 
And I do feel like if somebody kills somebody be- and then says the Joker made them do it, I think they're probably lying. Honestly, right. like I think that's a weak excuse. Well, but it's also like, you know, so he kills Murray because he's being embarrassed. Like he's being embarrassed and and this is his shot and you know, um it's I'm, I I kind of find, you know what I would say? I would see this movie and be more interested in this movie in a way if he didn't do the subway killing, but someone in a clown mask did. And then he decided to become a clown because of that. Like that to me is interesting. The follower mentality. But the idea that this movie could have all been in his head at the end is also, you know, it's like maybe because there aren't enough answers to the movie, it's leaving us a little bit dissatisfied. But I feel like that's more inter- that's a more interesting tale. The disenfranchised person who then becomes wrapped up in a larger political social issue that they're not a part of, but they just think is cool or interesting or like, yes, I am that person too. Like, you know, um, like Bernard Getz, if he was wearing a clown mask, like, you know, and then everyone started doing that because they felt like, oh, we're going to stop people from being picked on. I mean, yikes. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a sloppier yeah, argument. But if, if that was there and if this joker could actually tell a joke. Right. Sure. Okay. I don't want this Joker to tell a joke. I think that's where I disagree. Like I feel like because I, I almost feel like that's antithetical to need a what he bit is. Of charisma from my Joker. I do. I need my Joker to have some sort of a spell over a room. I believe that if there was a sequel to this movie, he's never getting to the Joker that you want to see. They have built that. They have baked that into the DNA. That Joker would never ever have any performative nature to it. Even after he kills, I was waiting for him after he kills Murray Franklin. Be like, ha ha! I am the Joker, and everyone must, you know, blah blah blah. blah. Nope, he's just kind of the same coquettish little, you know, nymph. Um, and so I think they made an active choice. I just find it a movie about a passive character that was actually really well played, but it's never going to be, it's never going to be the Joker that you want or know. And I think when I thought it was going to be that character, it felt more scary to me. I don't know. I mean, I guess to me, it kind of just boils down to my disappointment in it as a film is that you know, Schrader and Scorsese, they were inspired by movies like The Searchers, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't see the direct searchers in in Taxi Driver. You just feel some of the DNA of it. You know, this idea of like a hero on his own doing things that society might not agree with. So there's like a shared marrow, but the film itself feels totally different. Whereas when I watch Joker, I just can't help but see only Taxi Driver and then it doesn't stack up as well. You know, I, I wish it was able to digest the, its influences better. I, no, I'm I'm right there with you. And I, I think that, you know, putting them on the same playing field is, I think they're just very different films. I think they're very different films, but because one is so directly and clearly and visually uh, and even using the same actors as the other, it's so hard to separate them, but that yet they are very different. It's sort of like looking I at two buildings <laughs> and like one is a one-story building and the other one's a seven-story building. And you go, well, they're the same. It's like, well, no, they're both buildings. They both have windows, but they're not the same building. Like, it's like, well, they both have the same front door. Like, yes, sure, but they're not the same. Like, okay, you know. okay. It's like, it's, like, it's like going to Vegas and looking at the Paris Eiffel Tower in yeah. Vegas and then going to the real Eiffel Tower and you're like, all right, there's one, there's the other. Yeah. You know, but I I can agree with that. I can agree with that. But it's the fault of 
the Vegas Eiffel Tower for trying to look like the Eiffel Tower. Well, I think it's the fault of people going online going like, can you believe they're trying to trick us that Paris is in Las Vegas? Like that, <laughs> that's what I feel like. Like that, like I feel like they're making this issue. Like, is it an issue or is it just like a movie? But yet, but everyone's like, it's doing this, it's doing this, it's doing this. And it was happening before I think people saw the movie. I'm like, just let the movie be seen and I think but it was trying to look like Paris and you know what there's a lot of people who only go to Vegas and never get to go to Paris and they're just gonna think that that Vegas Paris is I don't know what we're talking about Paris is Paris no I hear you saying yeah the baguette that you're getting in Nevada is exactly the same as the baguette you'd be getting in France (laughs) (laughs) well with that I think we really have uh, said it all about Taxi Driver and the Joker Uh, Amy it was lovely to talk to you about this movie (laughs) and I realized though and actually talking about it I think it's I think people should see the movie. I think it's an interesting film to see because it's very rare that we get a film that has this much controversy attached to it that is also kind of tied into this AFI list. I don't think it's uh, I'm not saying you should go out because it's a great movie. I think it's an interesting movie to have your own opinion on and to see it and just see what what it's all about because I do feel like my impression of it before and after are greatly different. You saw it a little bit before I did. I've seen it after Uh, that came out a bit. But I had already suffered a lot of the hype, so yeah. So Amy, uh, I will see you on Thursday for The Godfather and uh, maybe later tonight for a sequel screening of Joker. That's an offer I can refuse. (laughs) 